This is Creative Banter, a creativity and philosophy-focused podcast hosted by Cody Schultz and Ben Horn. We ended up being a bit all over the place this episode, as we worked to find our footing after Ben's recent absences for his winter trips, which we started the episode off talking about before discussing my most recent adventures in student teaching, both rather briefly. Something that student teaching has helped me accomplish so far this year has been increasing the number of books I've been able to read. One of these books I'd finished is Breath by James Nestor, which, as you will remember, Ben had recommended. After taking time to speak on a few of the topics found within the book, such as anxiety and how our faces have changed over the years, we talk a bit about poetry and the connections had with photography. Let's dive right into it, shall we? recently returned from uh, spending about, I think it was five days in Zion. And I know that the last time that we recorded, um, I had returned from Death Valley. And I believe I had dropped my film off at the lab, but I hadn't seen it yet. Um, And so I I think we, I don't know if we recorded on a Tuesday or Thursday, but in any case, I picked up my film on a Monday. And uh, I looked at it and I just, I wasn't all that enthusiastic. Don't about you it. hate that? It's yeah. such a terrible feeling. But <laughs> it, it is because especially when, you know, I'm going to have all these videos to put together and everything else and telling the story of it. And, and if I'm just not enthusiastic about the images, um, it just leaves me a little unsettled. Like, oh man, I was there for so long. And there's one photo in particular I really like. And then the other ones felt like they were close, but they just weren't quite there. But um, but also, in retrospect, whenever I have feelings about my work like that, it's usually actually a good sign. And I think we've discussed this a little bit in the past, but if I have kind of a mixed reaction to seeing the work for the first time, if I'm not just overly in love with it, um, usually those images grow on me. And that is indeed what's happening. Um, but I, I got back on, I mean, I, I picked up the film on a Monday and then because of some other stuff that was supposed to be happening this week that got rescheduled because of weather, um, we're going to do like a little family trip to Disneyland. Um, but now like there's this big winter storm that is, uh, is up here now, which, you know, got snow levels down to a thousand feet, which is kind of crazy for Southern California. Um, but I, I got back, I got my film back on the Monday and then I had about a week or so in order to sneak a little trip to Zion in. And this was really just because I, I wanted to go there anyways. I figured this might be my one last opportunity to have some you know, really cold freezing conditions for some ice and some stuff like that. Um, so I got there the day after a pretty good sizable winter storm swept through. So it was on Valentine's day that the the storm went through. I got there on the 15th and it was, it was a delightful trip. Um, I did, I did video. I did the written journals 
for the uh, the next of the uh, unpolished uh, ebooks, and um, I found plenty of things to photograph. And it was it was kind of nice because in in years past, I've always been trying to get there ahead of a winter storm, and which is wonderful, but at the same time, it's just so hard to try and capture everything that's going on as the storm is rolling through that it's kind of stressful. Um, but this time it was different because day by day, a little bit of the snow would melt. Um, some new ice would appear in the washes and it's like little bits and pieces of the park were being revealed with every day. And it was kind of like being transformed slowly and steadily over time back to the very familiar Zion that I know. Um, so it worked out well. I exposed 23 sheets. I just got that film back today. Okay. And uh, I am, I'm, there's definitely some good work there. So for between the two trips, um, I think I'm in very good shape for doing the the videos and everything else that goes along with it. Um, but just that, that sense of that unsettled feeling when seeing the film, it can be a little bit, off-putting at first but it's not such a bad thing it really isn't so you've just have you done anything more than just look through like your film reveal video essentially i i haven't filmed the film reveal video yet um i just i cheated and i looked at the uh, death valley (laughs) stuff and then i got back and like um you know i got back i don't know like a couple hours ago from picking up my film at the lab and i just looked at it real really quickly um so i know that there's some good stuff in there but I'll, i'll probably be filming that video tomorrow um, cause it takes a bit of a setup to get the camera set up and everything like that. Right. So you just kind of flick through it. You just have like a, a cursory overview of it rather than exactly just kind of getting that depth. first impression and then just, uh, cause there's always photos where I'm like, Ooh, how did I do on the exposure on this? How does this one actually look? And, and there was, there was no bad surprises, which was good. And I think so far this year, it's actually shaping up to be a, a pretty solid lineup of work and, some of the images from Death Valley in particular are they're they're very much on the sort of poetic side, which is the sort of stuff I oftentimes um, aim for. And I think there'll be a lot of stuff to work with, uh, which will be not. And I haven't scanned any black and white. I haven't scanned any of it yet. Um, so we'll so we'll see how the black and white turns out with the choices I made for development and and all that sort of stuff as well. Yeah, you'll have to send me over some of the photographs once you get them scanned in. Yeah. Take a look yeah. and see. Uh, yeah. I'm quite I, curious I, to see how they turned out for you. Yeah. And I cut the um, development times a uh, fair amount shorter. Um, and so, and it looks just by looking at the negatives on a light box, it looks like they'll be fairly decent. Um, but I, I won't really know for certain until I, until I get those scanned. Yeah. With any negative, that can always be kind of deceiving especially when you're like not familiar with it. Yeah. Like depending on how you develop it, like for me going over to a color negative, it's just super deceiving as to how everything worked out. So yeah. Color, color negative is really tough in particular just cause like you look at it, like I know what this is, but I have no real clue unless the exposure is just horrendously bad where like the negatives are super thin and there's nothing there. It's, it's very hard to tell on, on that. And then uh, one other thing, um, a a little thought that occurred to me while I was in Zion, Uh, it was on, I think the fourth day of my trip. So I was, uh, I was near the end of my trip 
And um, I was revisiting the scene that I photographed back in 2017. This beautiful scene with these. Um, it, it's it's one of the pictures on the um, on my website of the icons for the different galleries. It's for the with trees one, where it's the maples with these boulders and grasses and stuff. And I always revisit that scene because it's it's just it's such a a beautiful area. I just love spending time there. And I was writing one of the journal entries as I was just sitting on a rock there, just staring at that scene. And it occurred to me that I had my uh, Fuji Instax camera with me as I was just out for that little um, hike. I'm like, what I really need to do for this um, this series of eBooks, the Unpolished series, is I really need to just take some snaps with the Fuji Instax photo, scan those and incorporate those with the written entries as well, just to kind of go along with the theme of everything else. Um, so I have, I've got a couple, couple images from the Instax that will be part of that series. Um, and I think it'll just fit right in with the, the aesthetic of everything else. Yeah, that'd be really interesting. Kind of like snapshots along the way. Yeah, yeah, just kind of not not really refined and just more documentational um, kind of thing. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah. so I think that's that whole process of that creating that project is something that has been evolving, and uh, so I'm really looking forward to putting that together once I'm done with the videos and everything else. Yeah, I finally started finding a little bit of time to work on an ebook, work on a. Um, my website and everything again now that i'm more like i want to say i guess like in the flow of student teaching and all that so yeah. i'm hoping i, I don't to... know how you have time for doing that i mean <laughs> with, with all the stuff you have going on I, I don't know how you've managed to free up some some time to work on anything else man i i have so much free time it's ridiculous it's it, <laughs> it, it's helpful because of the fact that like so a lot of it is co-teaching everything. So it's not like I'm really designing any unit plans or anything from scratch. I think I've okay. I designed one okay. that I'm going to be administering um, starting in March. Um, but so a lot of it is like just working off of what my mentor teacher had already planned out um, or at least loosely did. And then we just worked together to refine it. But on top of that, I have like, I have an hour in the morning and then two hours in the afternoon of just prep time, essentially. Oh, that's, that's gotta be nice to have. Yeah. So I get home and I just do nothing, <laughs> which is not at all what I should be doing, but it's also like, it, it's nice for once to just come home and just chill out. So. Yeah. I mean, you gotta, you gotta have that break to kind of decompress and just, just relax a bit. Yeah. So now I'm at a point where I'm like, okay, now I can, there's stuff that I'd like to get done. Let's get on it. Like getting my website together and finishing that up so I can relaunch everything. Um, it's probably one of my top priorities, but then obviously different eBooks that I have in the works and all that fun stuff. But yeah. Yeah. How long, how long do you think you'll, it'll be until your, your website's done? Uh, Mm, mid-march i i have to have it done before april um because that's when my site renews anyway oh, okay 
So I figure it's kind of dumb to pay or to re renew my current site when I'm working on rebuilding it and then have to finagle things all over because it's going to be a completely new site. Is, uh, is it a different like price structure or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. The price oh, okay. goes up a little bit. I can't keep legacy pricing. So. Oh, and so, and this is Squarespace, right? Yeah. Interesting. I didn't realize there was a, a difference with the pricing. Yeah. It's, it's maybe like 20 bucks more per year. Okay. So it's not so, bad. No, it's like a couple bucks more per month, something like that. Maybe like two or three, but it's, it's enough to be like noticed but it's also not enough to completely nix Squarespace and go off somewhere else, at least right yeah. now. So, yeah, so I've got that stuff going on, but I've also been doing a ton of reading, which has been so nice. I think I mentioned nice. that before, but yeah, I've gotten, I'm finishing up my third book for this month. Wow. You've got yeah. me beat. <laughs> I'm, I'm still working on the same book for, for a while now, so yeah. I, I don't I, have time to sit down and read. So that's that's awesome that you're getting as much reading done as you are. Yeah, I mean, it's been... The first book that I read was on free will. And so I plan on using that uh, as part of our lesson. That's what my whole unit is going to be a part of, is like learning about free will and how that ties into like serial killers and true crime and all that. <laughs> which is that's, like... It's, it's a bit of a harsh still... uh, transition there. <laughs> but I... It, it it blows my mind like this content area though like this is an english class and we're talking about serial killers true crime like death penalty we just finished up a, a fascinating documentary on um death row in indiana so yeah so i figured i i read that book and there's tie-ins there and then uh i also finished i think before that yeah before that, I finished Breath, which we okay. talked about before. Yeah, so I'm, I'm curious your about your thoughts on that. I thought it was a solid read, for sure. Um, yeah. I haven't gotten a lot of time to like really process everything, but from the get-go, I've been trying to like implement it more. Mm -hmm. But one like hiccup that I've, I've found with it, and it makes it... It makes it especially difficult during like exercise for me or um, like it's in certain mornings or certain instances throughout the day is my anxiety. Hmm. So I know in, at one point throughout the book, he was talking about um, carbon dioxide levels and how like people with asthma, especially people with anxiety, um, mm -hmm. you start to hyperventilate because you your body feels as though it's choking, like it's not getting that breath or that uh, that oxygen that it needs, when yeah. in reality it's just um, it's just excess carbon dioxide that you're absolutely fine with. Like you aren't gonna like die, you're gonna be yeah. fine. So my big thing is trying to get my brain to realize like, I'm fine, like just keep going as normal. And especially when running for exercise, like, yeah you're not getting as much oxygen as you're used to when you're breathing through your nose while you're running. So that's something that I'm trying to figure out that I'm trying to tackle as actively as I can. But yeah, it was, I, I found that book to be very fascinating because 
explained so much of the way that the respiratory system works and how some of it is linked back to um, past sort of evolutions and stuff like that in, in terms of the, you know, you're, you're not sensing how much, w if you're feeling out of breath, it's not because you're not getting enough oxygen. It's because there's a, a built-in like alarm system for you're having too much CO2 and, and that goes off even though you're not having too much CO2. It's kind of like this weird whole system. And they had some um, some interesting uh, exercises or uh, techniques that they have in there, uh, some of which I do when I go for the walks, which is um, basically it's a matter of uh, exhaling all the way and then seeing how many steps you can take before you have the urge to breathe. And then you can kind of keep extending that out and you kind of reset that calibration for um for the levels of co2 that you can tolerate yeah i've got to go through uh, some of those exercises i noticed and, that and, they were in the back but yeah and in in that part i think was rather fascinating because i'll do those when i'm out walking the dog and um and, and it's just kind of gets into a whole like body hacking kind of thing um so i i found that to be uh, rather rather interesting and it, when I would go skating, I would just do nothing but breathing through my nose. At first, you kind of feel like you're drowning. Um, but then after a while, you kind of seem to reset some of those indicators a little bit. And then all of a sudden, it becomes like very relaxing. Um, so it was, I found that to be a very fascinating thing. And especially with like the whole, um, you know, deep breathing to reduce the anxiety with like holding the exhales to be like really long and stuff like that um, and controlling heart rate and all kinds of like crazy things that that one is able to achieve through that yeah that that drowning experience you that drowning is definitely the way that i feel when i am like doing my like little run interval things that i do Mm -hmm. and trying to breathe through my nose and that's that is exactly the experience that like starts to trigger anxiety at least on a basal level mm. and i'm like but then you you do it and you force yourself to get through that and then at one point you're like oh this actually feels pretty good yeah like oh this is nice like i i get into like a very calm state and right now it's not like it doesn't last for super long, mm -hmm. but I think that's primarily because of doing these intervals. So like I'll walk for a little bit, run, breathe through my nose for that whole, as much as I can. And then I'll default back to mouth breathing because of that like drowning feeling. But then I'll go, I'll start walking again, bring my uh, heart rate down, breathe through my nose then go back to running while breathing through my nose and like repeat that until my body starts to get like more used to it. Mm -hmm. And then that calming feeling starts to kick in a little bit. Yeah. So. For, for me, like if, if I go for my normal skate route, which is about six miles and I, I really start pushing myself at the end of it to really get some speed going. Um, if I'm doing the nasal breathing at a certain point, it feels kind of like, like I'm meditating. It has like that same sort of like sense of calm throughout the body, which is 
not what one would expect necessarily. Um, so that's that's been something I, I I've been re you know using many of those techniques in there, and um, it does take a little getting used to. The other thing too is um, so I'm I'm mostly Finnish in terms of my ancestry and all that, and the Finns are sometimes known for having these little itty bitty tiny little noses, uh, which <laughs> I I do have, and my wife makes fun of me all the time for having this little itty bitty nose. Um, but it, I, I do suspect that it does, uh, limit a little bit of my ability to breathe through the nose just cause it is, is fairly small. Um, but maybe in some case that helps me, you know, that has been, uh, a hurdle I've had to sort of overcome a little bit, which has perhaps helped a little bit with the, the technique and all that. But, uh, that's just one other one other variable on on my my part of it. That reminds me of how he said at one point in, early on in the book that we've essentially evolved in a similar track as what pugs have. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like in terms of our faces are so smushed compared to what they used to be, just like how pugs are. And I just was like, hmm. All right, so we are just as bad as they are. Like, yeah. Let's see yeah. if we can reverse engineer this maybe in a couple thousand years. Won't be and, quite as easy. Yeah, and some of this stuff, and, and if if anyone is curious about the book, I would say definitely um, definitely give it a read. Um, so it's called Breath by uh, James Nestor, I believe. Yeah, I'll have um, the link. But the, the, the two things that comes down to is that um, if you don't breathe through your nose then you kind of lose a little bit of the ability to effectively breathe through your nose. And there's so much good stuff that comes with breathing through your nose instead of through your mouth. And then the other part of it is, um, as, as humans, we are designed to chew things. And a lot of food nowadays is very soft and not very chewy. And when we don't chew things, the front, basically the front of our face doesn't develop as large as it should. And so the teeth get crowded, breathing, uh, airways get constrained and all this sort of bad stuff happens. And so it really comes down to is you should chew things more like intensely and you should breathe through your nose more. And if you do those things, you can actually reverse some of these, uh, maladies that have, that are very, very common um, because we just live our little, you know, posh lifestyles of <laughs> not, not having to work very hard for things. And it has taken a toll on our bodies. He also mentioned sucking as well in terms of like breastfeeding as a child. Mm. I remember that that was something else that was because like everybody, everybody, when you talk about like breastfeeding talks about um, like, oh, it's only the first year, first two years, three years most kind of deal but then you look back at history of it and it's like no like you were a lot of kids were being breastfed up until they were like five ten yeah like, so and, and that like societal change really hurt us in terms of development i thought that was an interesting point too like you go yeah. from you now cut off that sucking period which is helping to develop your mouth and then you go into a period of very soft foods 
And you continue that where most of our foods these days, like you just said, are soft. Like there's not a lot of chewing to it. It's not something where you're chewing for hours throughout the day like your great to the 10th power grandparents were. Yeah. So, yeah, there are a lot of uh, fascinating things. Uh, One thing that I do want to do with my new website and with all the reading that I'm trying to get through is um, I think it's Derek Sivers who has a um, essentially book notes on his website. Hmm. And he has these, um, these reviews that he does. So let me just pull it up real quick. So like for the first one that I pulled up, it obviously has the title, the ISBN number. That way you can really easily find it in the direct mm-hmm. book. Um, the date that he read it, uh, how strongly he recommends it out of 10. Mm-hmm. And then essentially just notes. It's not a summary, but it's just a list of the notes that he had taken that he felt were important. Hmm. Which all of that is essentially what I'm doing anyway with my reading. Like I'm constantly taking notes. I have a little journal that I write down notes in. Um, so I think that would be cool to throw up onto the onto my new website as well. So I'll probably start that off with breath at some point. Now, when you take the notes on the stuff that you read, is it so you can refer back to it or is it really for the process of writing it down kind of helps commit it to memory or is it kind of both? Or I'm curious about the, the taking of the notes for the stuff you read. With most of the notes, it's primarily like what I highlight, not necessarily any kind of like mar- marginalia as they mm-hmm. call it. Um, but it's all stuff that I would like to refer back to it, because I would use it for my writing. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so all the books that I read have a purpose. It's ultimately because I want to learn something new and I want to apply that knowledge. That way I can better retain it. Ah, okay. Yeah, so. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that angle, but that that makes perfect sense. And it also makes sense why, you know, it's so good for you to read all this sort of stuff because then you can sort of, you know, use that as a, you know, for the writing and all that. So that's, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm hoping that like one, one thing that I need to get on is my writing again this year, because I don't think I've really written anything and it's not having the new website out is giving me an excuse not to publish anything. Because mm-hmm. if I publish something on my blog as it currently stands, well, now I have to go back and I have to republish it on the new site when it launches. Yeah, just doing and the same reformat thing. it, and I have to do everything twice. Yeah. And what does that do with SEO, if anything? But it's still like in the back of my head, like here's an excuse not to write, so let's just not write. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> another reason to just bite the bullet and get the site going, but. Yeah. So. That's good. One other thing that uh, came up, this is a couple weeks ago, but uh, I went out on a short little hike with one of our listeners. who happens. I've been talking to him for almost a year, pretty much since we started this, almost. Oh, cool. Um, Daniel White. He's into, like, food photography. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and put like not traditional food photography, more like with a story behind it. Okay, that's and, interesting. I, I I haven't I haven't heard of uh, such a uh, genre of photography before. I'm, I'm curious about that. Yeah, like not a traditional like you go and you open up to like a food magazine or a magazine on like food and cooking and you see yeah. all of like the top down plated kind of things. Yeah. Um, more like one of the projects we were talking about had to do with like farms and how he would like to go to these like vineyards or these farms and photograph the people, photograph the, the crops, the, the vineyard itself and then make something out of that crop in his kitchen because obviously he's a food photographer he likes to cook make something from that crop and photograph that as more of like a full-on storytelling aspect rather than oh here's some food that looks kind of pretty huh so that kind of got me thinking like about the the importance of storytelling and in that same vein like the importance of maintaining personal expression Mm -hmm. because you can very easily be just a food photographer like and do what everybody else does but finding that that manner of personal expression and really doubling down on that not worrying about what everybody else is doing not worrying about the monetary aspect of it or any of that stuff is was just something that we were talking about for pretty much the whole time that we were hiking together that's and that's interesting because that's very much something that i can relate to with my own work and so it's really fascinating to hear an approach like that used for a different type of photography and also with the storytelling aspect of it as well. And does he have a feeling for what the um, final product will be, the final, uh, like how it will be displayed, presented, anything along those lines? I don't want to speak too much for him, Mm -hmm. Um, but from what we've talked about, more like tangible kind of thing more like a zine perhaps okay. or a finalized book yeah. um one thing we had talked about was like a a book that had like extra perks to it like a, a recipe uh, that he had typed up from that book from one of the things that he had cooked and photographed um so i think that's more of like a finalized product and like end yeah. goal but uh, yeah i mean i could see how a collection of that sort of work would lend itself very well to uh, something in print just because just imagine you know flipping through the pages and seeing the stuff and how everything comes together as opposed to just you know pictures on on a website or some sort of presentation along those lines which which also would work but i definitely think it does lend itself to to something perhaps in print which would which is kind of cool yeah so him and i talk pretty frequently at this point so it's been interesting to to have someone to like bounce ideas off of and figure things out like that's outside of the nature of photography realm yeah Um, because i think that's something that's always that that is good to have like just like why i 
send out my articles to like my girlfriend or to someone outside of the outside of what I do mm-hmm. who doesn't necessarily understand it just because you can get that extra those extra eyes on it that extra viewpoint so yeah yeah but uh running out of things to talk about Ben (laughs) (laughs) all right one more thing before we wrap everything up on the discord we had a question and I'm not quite sure how to answer it but I'm curious what you think of it and this may end up being something that we have to come back to um, but nonetheless here we go how do you look and see? Now, in the context of photography, I'm I'm guessing. It, given it's on our pot, or given it's on our Discord, <laughs> yeah. yeah, probably. How do I look and see? Um, see, I'm going to think that has to do in the context of finding subjects I, I'm, that's kind of what I'm thinking it's at least that's my interpretation of that um, and for me I think it all comes down to I have to be in a certain state of mind um, and I have to be you know away from people away from uh, any sort of busy areas or anything like that where I can just wander around and in terms of looking and, and seeing I think for me it comes to just wandering around and then some sort of small detail catches my eye um, I think I have to be in a certain state of mind and to even want to be in in that position um, but then I think I end up drawing inspiration from from what I see. And however it is that I'm feeling at that point in time, I think greatly influences me in terms of the details and such that I notice. Um, like when I was in Death Valley on a recent trip, um, I was wandering around um, just mostly killing time because there's some there's some interesting stuff I saw just driving along the road that sort of caught my attention and then I ended up finding this um, there was a this white rock that was just shattered into all these tiny itty bitty little pieces and I ended up uh, finding that and sort of framing a composition of that um, and I think it's because I in some ways I kind of like related to that as a subject so it really spoke to me at that point in time I think because of how I was feeling so I I think it's a process of um, using out however it is that you you feel and finding some sort of subjects that that one can relate to Um, and if if I was feeling differently I may not have you know seen that subject in quite that same way but I think it ultimately comes down to finding subjects that that speak to me for one reason or another um, because I can relate to them. And it's oftentimes noticing small details and then maybe perhaps widening my scope a little bit to see something a little bit larger. 
Um, but that's, that's at least how I, how I interpret that. Um, what about you? I think it's almost, I think there's like two very separate questions here. Like, how do you look? And then how do you see? Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's tough because it's such like an abstract question. Like, yeah, you have to, you have to have your own interpretation on it to even figure out how to answer it. Yeah, which I think is great. I think it's it's fascinating, but it's it's something that I will continue thinking about even after we're done recording today. Like, how do you look and how do you see? And kind of like along the lines of how you were saying, more of getting things or seeing things that, that catch your eye, that draw you in, that kind of show you some sort of reflection of of yourself almost and really just delving into that really like taking that for what it is and experimenting with that um but it's tough (laughs) yeah there was um when when i'm wandering around the trips um i found it to be really nice to have the the journal handy because i'll have these these thoughts that go through my mind and i think a lot of it is because i am out in the wilderness and 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 that's kind of making me think a little bit differently and if i don't write these thoughts down i'm going to forget them as soon as i you know you know drive away to somewhere else but i was thinking about when i was in death valley and when i was writing the journal um and I don't have the journal in front of me right now, but I was saying something along the lines of uh, photography at its finest is visual poetry. Yeah. Where you try to say a lot with very little. And to me, that's something that is in the forefront of my mind when I'm out and about trying to find the small things, the, 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 the small details, the small scenes, things that one could simply walk right past and not notice. And, and when you are in that mindset to, to notice them, you realize how much potential there is all around you. Um, but finding those, that visual poetry that is a reflection of how you feel at that moment in time. And to me, at least a photo is relatively successful. It's hard to say, successful um, because that can be twisted in so many different directions. But for me, at least I have a sense of satisfaction with an image. If it conveys how I was feeling at that point in time, and if someone else viewing that photo has that same general feeling, I know that I was communicating that message, um, you know, rather effectively. Not that everyone's going to see it the same way, but I think there's a connection that people will have with the work, um, especially if they if they see in it what I saw in in that subject. But for me, I think the whole visual poetry thing is is key because it doesn't take a lot to say a lot when it comes to an image. You can say so much by revealing just a little bit of of that. Uh, of that landscape in the small details, especially. Yeah. 
speaking on like the poetry aspect of it, I know we're going back like four, five years now, maybe. I don't quite remember exactly when, but at, at some point on Instagram, you had been doing those, um, you had been like highlighting different photographers that you, whose work you enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And I remember you had done mine up to that point. Um, and said about my work being like poetry for the soul. Yes. Yes. I, I do remember that. And uh, that that's yeah. like stuck with me like since that, cause I just love that phrasing. And that's cool. It, it's kind of funny though, too, cause in this placement with student teaching, the, um, my mentor does a poetry club. And so they were talking every year they do like a magazine and they were trying to figure out what they wanted to do with the magazine. And originally they were talking about uh, designing it almost like the old iPhone notes app, how you had like that, that mm-hmm. off white background, uh, the lines and everything. Um, and having it kind of like that for the every page. And then he had taken a look at like my photographs, obviously, before I'd come in and all that. And he started thinking and he put the question out to the group because it's their project, obviously, like mm-hmm. if they don't want to use it, whatever. But essentially put out the question of do we want to use or do they want to use my work to pair with their poems? Huh. And ultimately, it's. It seems like that's pretty much the vein or the the, the, the path that they're going to be going down is using some of my photographs and pairing them with the poems that they've written throughout that's this magazine. Really cool. So I just think that's like that's a really cool like uh, coming full circle kind of thing. So I'm so looking forward to working with that and seeing where that yeah uh, where that goes. So so it's gonna be the 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 poetry that they've written and then afterwards they're going to pair it with with the images is that kind of the way it's going to work yeah that's really interesting because i think that will have a fascinating way kind of like what we've spoken about in the past in terms of you know pairing different images together and from those two images you kind of get a different feeling for each of them how they're paired Um, but when you pair the image with a a poem which isn't you know it wasn't written as a in response to the image it's just simply finding that that matched pair essentially between that poem and that in that image it'll be very fascinating to see how it is that the perception of that image will change after you read those words um, because I, I suspect that when they're paired together it will add more depth to the poetry and it will add even more depth to the image because it'll make you think a little bit differently about it. And I think that will be a fascinating process. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that I definitely want to do when I eventually come out with my own like coffee table photo book is pair my images with poems just because I think the, the correlation can be so strong. And like you were saying, the, the meaning that is imbued both in the poem, but also in the photograph, like drastically shifts. Yeah. So yeah, that'll be really cool. 
yeah, like I said, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to helping them out with that, with that project. And there's some other like photo photography aspects with this that, uh, that they're like, yeah, can you help us out? Like figure some things out. They have some ideas that they want to try and do. So awesome. Yeah. I think, I think that'll be a, I think that will be fascinating to see how that whole project comes together. Is that going to be at the end of the end of the semester or is it, is that I'm, something they're working towards at the end of everything or I'm not sure exactly when they publish it or plan on putting everything together. I know they're obviously they're currently working towards it primarily with their poems, but I don't know when they publish it, when they are going to finalize anything because I'm only with them until middle of May. Okay. They still have until the beginning of June or so for uh, until they graduate. So yeah, we'll see how it goes and see how everything comes together. But yeah, I'm excited I look, I look to help forward out to too. hearing some updates from you when when you're eventually able to see the the final thing. I hope you enjoyed our creative banter. You can learn more about Cody's work by visiting his website codyschultz.com. And you can find my work at benhorn.com. For further discussion, join us at patreon.com slash creative banter. It's a place where we can interact with you, the listener. And although we greatly appreciate those who contribute by joining a tier, discussions are open to everyone, whether you're a paying member or not. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you around next time.